again, again, Mason, uh, Mason comes through with our, the transformation of a piece of paper into something different than when it started. If you're with us in Transform, if, you're, if you've been doing this book and you started, I'm not, I'm not talking about if you started a little bit late on our journey, if you started from day one, today was day 36, and you only have 14 days left. That was pretty fast. Two weeks and we're going to be done with Transformed. This is what I read. This is what I read this morning. There's a universal principle at work called the law of sowing and reaping. And it is a spiritual reality. We see it in this passage in terms of refreshment. And Rick Warren is writing about uh, Proverbs 11.25 which says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Be an encourager, be a giver is what it's talking about. You give some refreshment and you will be refreshed yourself. Give some relief to someone else and you will be relieved. Throughout this, throughout this, uh, this sermon series, we've been talking about what it would mean to be transformed and have, and have peace uh, financially, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. Today we're going to be talking about financial. And before you run out the door, I'm not talking about tithing today. Okay? I'm not go- I am not talking about tithing, but we are going to talk about finances. Because finances are drastically important. But before we get into the sermon, two things. October 25th is the dunk party. If you are wanting to be baptized or you know someone, they need to come and talk to me. I need to know. I need to know, so please come and talk to me, alright? After church today, come and find me. November 1st, if you're a date writer, November 1st is going to be first step. It's when you can take a journey alongside Connection. We're going to meet out of Jeff and Debbie Staley's house. We're going to go over what Connection seeks to do, what our mission statement is, what it means to belong, what it means to be a member, and what we believe as a church. Where we're going, maybe vision. So if you want some information on our church, come and talk to me. We do make those books for first steps, so I need to know a pretty good number. Um, we'll make a few extra, but maybe not a whole lot. Transforming, transformation, being transformed. I'm a transformer. <laughs> Connection itself is transforming. Now watch. Connection itself is changing. It's molding into something as we follow God's will, God's direction, and God's vision. If you are a spiritually mature person, or you follow God in any route in your life where it hasn't just been cut and dry and you know what to do, but if there's ever been a time where you put trust into what God is going to do, when He tells you this, He says, if you do this, then I'll move. That's called an if and then verse. You ever heard of those? If... You humble yourself before me, I will lift you up in honor. Okay? It's an if and then. If you put your trust well into Christ, then God will move. Connection is seeking to do this. For the brand new first time ever, you're going to hear this, some of you, for the first time. At the end of the month on our dunk party on October 25th, we're going to have one service at 10 a.m. Okay? It's a big party. We're going to have lunch. I've talked with Nancy... Not that it means I'm going to get any, but we've upped the number of hot wings. It still doesn't matter. I probably won't get any anyway. But anyway. (laughs) So, 
We're going to have one service 10 a.m. on October 25th. November and December, all eight weeks, November and December, there will be no 4.30 service. None. We will all gather together in here. Uh, that means that I can use some help from some guys. I know that we're going to shampoo the carpets after the dunk party. We need some guys after the dunk party to help us move all the chairs. Later in the week, we're going to move them back. So if you can help, uh, you can see James Johnson. He's over here in the blue shirt. So after November and December, we're going to have one service at 10 a.m. November has Thanksgiving. December has Christmas. We're going to worship together as a family. And some of you say, well, Matt, if the other service comes in here, we're going to be too much, there's going to be too many people, we're going to be out of room. We have overflow seating. If, you, if you've noticed when you walk in, we have two TVs out there. That's designed for that. So November and December, we're going to be worshiping together as one big family. And in January, we're going to go through, in November and December, we're going to go through what I call reload and relaunch. Sometimes you have to follow God's vision and it leads you somewhere that's a little bit scary. So we're going to take two months and we're going to go over the ministries of our church and how you can help us be successful in the transition. And in January, we're going to go 9 and 11 for services. There will be no afternoon services after the first part of the year. 9 and 11. If you see yourself and you're not plugged in somewhere, come and talk. You're going to hear a lot about serving. We're going to, have, we're going to hear a lot about uh, what we can do. But you, you are the key to the success of where God is going to take our church. And I can tell you right now, there's going to be some cosmetic things happen around here that's going to be awesome. Okay? But God is doing great, great things. I heard a lady this morning comes in and she shakes my hand and she says, Matt, I haven't been able to come to church for the last couple weeks. But she said, the transform book will never leave my side. I didn't write the transform book. I heard some guys, I talked to some guys that have done this study and they said, listen, this is, this is absolutely incredible. If people buy into this, people's lives change. Why? Because Rick Warren wrote it? No. Because Rick Warren uses the Word of God to change lives. It's the, it's the Word of God that you're ingesting into yourself that's causing you to think differently. Have different emotions. How many people, just to yourself, answer, answer internally, but how many people have noticed in the last, in the last six weeks of this, Five weeks of this, you know, I'm, I'm acting a little bit different. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But I'm a little bit better than I was even a month, five weeks ago. God is calling attention to these things. And as we go through our connect group and we go through these daily devotions, we only have two weeks left. I can't believe it. That was a fast 50 days. That was fast. God is seeking to transform us. Today we talk about finances. Financial health. Transforming into financial health. We better pray before we do this one. Let's pray with me. God, thank you so much for today. We thank you for uh, what, your, what your word says about finances, God, and how we can be financially responsible. That you can transform our life from what it is, maybe, to what you want it to be. And God, if we have a good understanding of finances, we can always do more. We can always seek you and do more. God, we thank you for the changes that are coming to connection. We thank you for the people that are going to make it possible and the workers that you're going to send. We thank you, Lord, for just this opportunity to have this quote-unquote problem. God, that we, we, can, we can serve in one and we can sit in another one and we can all gather together and worship together as a family. And I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing here. And I'm in awe. In your name we pray. Amen. Alright, if you have your worship hand up, it's the yellow piece of paper. If you flip it to the first part, open right here.
There's going to be some notes. Also, if you open it all the way up underneath the bold, if you have one or, or both of your mates are over 60, Golden Goodies begins again this Thursday night. Okay? Golden Goodies begins. If, if you know that that applies to you, and that applies to you, it's a great, a great opportunity. Financial, money, finances, wealth, high income, low income, no income, we all are involved with money. We all deal with it. Money is the number one. Depending on which one you look at, it's either, it's either um, money or sex is number one in the, the cause of divorce, but over, over many of them as an average, number one cause of divorce in America is money. Is finances. People argue about it. Somebody spends it. Somebody wants to save it. You argue. I'm not going to sit here in front of a whole crowd of people and say that you haven't argued about money. It's probably some of you in the last 20 minutes. And money's a big deal. If you control your money, if you tell your money what to do, then there's the financial peace that can come, the transformation. I told you this before. It's not going to be a sermon on tithing. I'm not going to say, that wooden box back there has to be filled. If you've been with us at Connection, we do not concentrate on you giving your tithe to our church. It is very important that you give money that God has given you, a portion of that back to Him. Why? Because we're going to learn later, it's not even really yours. He's given it to you in the first place. Be faithful with it. But I've told you, if you think that you, if you think connection is all about your money, write out what your tithe check should be. Find a church in Jefferson County and give it to them. And to some people they would say, that is absolutely crazy. It is not about that. We're trying to show you what God can do with your money when you're responsible with it. I'm not going to preach on tithing today. This is going to be a sermon on how God wants you to use what you have. So if you have your worship handout, flip open to the first handout and you can check out the screen right here. Look at this. Jesus talked more about money than He did about heaven or hell. Now, some of us would say, well, no, 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 no. Jesus came to be the visible sight of the invisible God to die on a cross for our sins to provide a relationship that we can have through His blood and His resurrection with God. That's His sole purpose. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to argue that at all. But look, one out of every six verses, if you pick collectively three out of the four Gospels, one out of six verses in those three Gospels talk about money. One out of six. Barely under 20%. One out of six talk about money. Now why does Jesus talk about it? Look at the next line. Money can control our lives. Without elbowing your mate... Without texting your mate that's not here because you say, well, you should be here. We're talking about money today. You need to look at this, okay? Money can control your lives. Internally, you understand probably either that money can control your life or maybe you are in the cycle of life that money is controlling your life. Oftentimes when I take people through Total Money Makeover and I mentor with them, we start out, we write, we write a budget. They're not, I'm not surprised they are. When they write the budget, guess what? There's more money going out than is coming in. Dave Ramsey himself says, don't keep up with the Joneses because the Joneses are broke. He's right. America has a huge debt problem. Look at our national one. We're not going to talk about politics either. Going on. 
Look at this in bold. It says, if you do not control your money, it will control you. It will. It is said to never go shopping when you're... Why? Because it will control what you buy. Do not go to a brand new car lot if you cannot afford that vehicle. Oftentimes we look at the payment per month instead of the outright buying of it. And if we control our money, it doesn't control us. But if you don't control your money, it will control you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 16. Okay? We're going to be in Luke chapter 16. Now we're going to talk about a story. Can you go just back one slide? They'll look at that and they'll start reading it and they won't pay attention to me. We're going to talk about a story today that is very, 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 very difficult to understand. Please hear what I'm going to say. When you see what this man does in this story, it, Jesus does not glorify what He does. He's not glorifying His actions. He's not glorifying anything except one thing. He's, talking, he's going to talk about shrewdness. In the Greek, shrewdness translates to wise. If you're, if you're shrewd, if you're, He was very conscious. Okay? Problems or disputes about money, contrary to popular belief, are not new problems. They haven't just suddenly popped up since the Great Depression was over. When people started to have money again, these problems just didn't pop up. We see, we're going to talk about the group of people called the Pharisees in the story, and they loved money. They loved to look nice. They loved. But as we look at Luke 16, check this out with verse 1 on the screen. We're going to be reading a little bit different version today. It just has a, has a good way of, uh, of proclaiming the story. It says this in verse 1. Jesus told his story, this story to his disciples. Why does Jesus tell a story? We relate well with stories. Okay, We remember stories. He says this. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. So we have the rich guy and he has a manager. Okay, we haven't lost anybody, right? The manager works for the guy. Okay, works for the big guy. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. You and I both know what that means. You might, if you live with a great, if you work for a graceful, a grace-giving firm company, you may get a warning. Most of the time, you're canned. You're done. You waste the boss's money after he's given you a job and told you what to do, and you waste it, chances are you're going to have a really strict meeting or you're going to be fired. So he goes on. It says in verse 2, So the employer called him in. Okay, they had a meeting. meeting. Meetings aren't new either. Okay, they've been having meetings for a long time. In verse 2, So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Meaning, I hear that you're wasting my money. He goes on, he says, get your report in order because you are going to be fired. He says, basically, clean out your desk, dude. You're done. I don't think they had desks. <laughs> they said, you're done. You're, you're going to be fired. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. Look at verse 3. Now, the manager, okay, I'm going to get fired. Okay, now, this, this is what the guy's thinking. Look at this. The manager thought to himself, now what? Have you ever been in this position? Have you lost your job? I'm not telling you that you need to go out and practice this. This is a story. Okay? Theologically, it cannot be proven that it was actually a, an accurate thing in history. It's a story that Jesus uses. Okay? May or may not be true. So he says this, Now what? My boss has fired me. 
I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. What we're probably going to assume if the guy doesn't, if he says this, I don't have the strength to dig ditches, maybe he's farther along in life. I can't do the physical labor. I can't just go out and get a job like these young guys can. And, and watch this. If you've ever had enough, and then you've taken to a place of humility, sometimes our pride can get right in the way, and we're too proud to beg. Oh, I can't take that. Oh, I can't take that. Oh, you can't possibly do that for me. I can't. You know, we, we talk about sometimes, sometimes there's girls in our life that you, you, you would say, you give them a compliment and they would, oh, I don't. I don't look pretty. They have a very, very hard time taking a compliment, don't they? You look nice today. No, I don't. I need to lose about 15 pounds. Guys are no better. Guys are no better. Sometimes we have, see, that's pride. That's our pride. It gets in the way of somebody trying to bless us. But this guy says, oh, no, no, I will not beg. Oh, no. I used to be the manager of this firm, this company. I can't beg. That's not my style. I, go, I don't do that. So in verse 4, we see, he's, ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. I think this is a very confusing story. So the manager knows he's going to get fired and he says this, I know how to make my friends happy so that after I don't have anything, then they'll give me something. I thought he just said he's too proud to beg. He's manipulating the begging sequence, isn't he? He's going around going, oh, can I have this? He's going to now say, look what I did for you. He's taking care of himself. Jesus said he calls this shrewdness. He calls it, and the, the Greek word translated is wise. He, said, he gives the guy credit for that. He does not say anywhere that what he did was right. But his attitude towards taking care of things, and we'll show you this. Look at verse 5. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. So this guy is basically given a two-week notice. Okay? Or two-day notice, whatever he got. He asked every single person that had an account and owed money with his boss to come in, we need to discuss some things. Now look at what he does. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. Have you priced olive oil in our stores? This is a lot of money. This is a lot of money. Now watch what he does. He says, so the manager told him, says, take the bill and change it to 400. He just, ca- he just, he just caused what the man owed to be in half. Do you think the man owed 800 gallons of olive oil and it gets changed to 400 is going to remember this guy when he loses his job? He just relieved half your debt. He's relieved relieved half of it. Yeah, you're going to remember that. Look at verse 7. And how much do you owe? I can imagine this guy just sitting in a chair and he's acting like he's he's some kind of important and he's just got a line of people that owe money. So he goes, all right, next, come on in. How much do you owe my employer? He asked the man. What's this? A thousand bushels of wheat. That is a lot of bushels when you're driving in a combine. Let alone doing it by hand. A thousand bushels of wheat. So he says this. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. It's still a lot, but it is a thousand. No. He goes on. Look at verse 8. The rich man... Now watch. 
This is the boss, the rich man. Had to, had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. Now watch this. Jesus turns a corner right here. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of light. This is very, 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 very sharp. Jesus just tells them that people that are not followers of Him do a better job with handling the money than they do. They're wiser than you. Even this deceitful guy. Now what's Jesus trying to tell us? Jesus is trying to tell us in this, you can learn from anyone. He does not condone his behavior. He does not say this is okay. But he said, you have the ability in this life Follower or not follower, you have an ability to learn. If mom and dad made these bad choices, hey, here's here's a chance. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't follow in that. Verse 9, he says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. This is drastically out there. I get it. Some of you are saying... Well, Jesus is just like condoning this guy, canceling these bills and canceling this debt. He's not. He's saying, he's teaching. Remember, the first church is just beginning. Okay, these people are meeting in homes, they're being persecuted. They are. If you read any theological history books and we see these Christians start being killed, do you know what Nero told the reasoning why he killed people? Do you know what they did? You know what their crime was? Nero said this. He said, I kill them. And other people have said the same thing. I kill them because of this. These people, these Christian people, they meet before the sun comes up. Okay, that's just weird. Maybe he's not an early riser. He said, they meet before the sun comes up. He says, they sing songs about this Jesus guy and they make an oath to not break the law. That's why they were killed. Okay, because he couldn't, he wouldn't tolerate him. He didn't want to put up with him. So they literally got in trouble because they met before the sun came up, which meant this: they were not taking time away from their boss at work. This is an extra mile they were going to worship God, and they were they were singing songs, and they were they were saying, "God, we want to live like you, and we don't want to break the law." Those three things. I would like to have all of those people come hang out with us. These are people that are trying. But Jesus is telling us right here, use your earthly possessions to bless other people. What God has given us, we should use to point other people to Him. I am not saying you need to go home to your your house that you've paid on and paid for and just call up somebody and say, here it is, you can have it. God gave us this thing called common sense. That doesn't make very much. Okay, Use your head. Has anybody ever heard of Francis of Assisi? Okay, he was a guy who lived a long time ago, like 1200s, alright? Now watch this. He married, quote-unquote, he would be joyful in, pe- in telling people, he said, you come from a rich family. They had all kinds of money. And Francis said that he married poverty. He gave away everything that he had. And we have to understand that he took 
This first church, their actions, what they gave. The first church when they would sell something to pay for other people. Francis took this verbatim for exact words. He lived in rags. He gave, if his mom and dad would buy him clothes, he gave it away. If they would buy him some more clothes, he would give it away. He would give and give and give. And one, I love this story. There's one time that a friar came to him and said, I've done some work and somebody gave me a gold coin. Now you have to remember, these guys don't have any money. A gold coin would buy probably all of them food. And Francis is quoted to say, you can take that gold coin and bury it in a dung pile because that's where gold belongs. See, he, he had stepped away. He said, basically, he was saying that God was all that he needed. He chose to give. He, he made relationships with poor people, with the untouchable, with the unlovable, with the smelly. This is what He did. This is an extreme example. But we have to remember that Jesus, when He talked to His disciples, and He sent them out two by two, He gave them a couple of instructions, and one of them was this. Don't take any gold or silver with you. Why? Because they were to rely on people to get them to practice this principle. Give. Hey, you can stay here. Hey, you can, you can, you can, you can do this. Here's some, here's some food. Here's this. Thanks for preaching tonight. Here's, here's, enough, here's supper. Literally, they would live like that. Thanks for preaching tonight, Peter. Uh, here's, some, here's some biscuits and gravy. <laughs> Thanks for preaching tonight, uh, Paul. Um, here's, here's meals and you can stay in our guest room. They were giving of the things that they had. Look at this point in verse 10. He goes on to the next verse. Look at this. If you are faithful in the little things, if you don't hear anything else we say, just circle verse 10. Circle the whole thing. Look at this. It says, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you will be honest. You won't be honest with greater responsibility. So you'll be dishonest. So, what is God doing? He's testing you with the things that you have. How many people have ever seen a U-Haul on the back of a hearse? You can put one on there. You know, a lot of hearses don't have hitches for a reason. You're not going to take anything with you. It says, if you're faithful in the little thing, God is testing you with the things that you have. There are people in this church that give of their home. They say, hey, it's not much. Mary, said that, Mary and I say this all the time. We tell people that come over, say, hey, we don't live extravagantly, but what we have, you can have. Come on in, have a seat. Hang out. Watch that recliner, it might throw you. And if you've ever been to our Connect group, you understand that. We give things, okay? But we, we have people that come over that chose to give of their time and make dessert or snacks and something to give away. God is testing us. He's saying, listen, if I give you the small things, I want you to be faithful. I'm going to tell you a couple things about Rick Warren this morning. And I'm not saying that Rick Warren is Jesus Christ or God. But I'm just going to show you what happens when you're faithful in little things and what God does with the big things. Remember, I think it was last year we used to talk, I talked about faith. And I was talking about as as an adult, as, as we get older, God wants to mature our faith and get us to jump off this diving board. And after we show that much faith that we can do that, and He knows He knows that we can do that, He wants us to go up. But sometimes we get to a height in our faith and we say, oh, it's too far down. Oh, it's too much money. Listen, there's going to be some cosmetic things happen in this church. And it happens because 
connection was faithful in small things. This is a big deal. It's unreal. It's unbelievable. People ask me, would you have seen this a year ago? No way. No chance. Not, no way. But we've been faithful. We seek to be faithful in the small things. For instance, could we have used a thousand dollars to do any other thing than give gas away? Absolutely. We're getting ready to have winter. It could pay for heat. The Lodge Connection chose to give money to Jumpin' Jimmy's and to, and to minister to almost a hundred cars and give them away $10 of free gas, which today bought a lot more gas than it did last year. And we gave that money away. And we would sit there and some people in judgment of that would say, well, that lady came in three different times and she got $30 worth of gas and it was just all about her getting that. Maybe she needed it. That's not for us to say. We gave that up. We said, God, here's this. We want to give back. We want to show love. Use us. Listen, that's only five bucks a person. There's usually two people in a car, five bucks a person. We're, we're talking about these, these people and we're seeing these needs. One lady, and I, listen, I don't know if she's telling me the truth or not. But she was very emotional. I don't know why she would have to lie to me. And she said, she said, I can use this gas to get to the doctor today. There's another, there was another guy come in and he talked to James, I believe, and he said, Man, he goes, I had ten dollars and fifty cents. Now think of the last time that you were in this position. He goes, I have ten dollars and fifty cents. He said, with you guys giving me $10 of gas, I don't have to use my money. You ready for this? I can now buy food that I need. Food. Most of us can go home and cook for three months out of our pantry. If you're anything like my grandparents, I would still be eating. They passed away about four years ago. I would still be eating canned goods. I don't know. My, I don't know. My grandpa thought that atomic war was going to... I don't know. They grew up in a depression and heat. Man, I carried out cases of spinach. I like spinach, not necessarily by the case. <laughs> okay, but God says this, if you're responsible with the small stuff, I'm going to blow your mind with the things that I'm going to use you to do in this life. You're going to see things. I had dinner with my dad and my mom in September of 2007. And I said, Dad, connection people are weird. I will never go back to that crazy church that meets in a gym. And as you can tell, that worked really well. If you want to hear God laugh, by the way, just tell Him your plans. And I, I asked my dad, I talked about him, and he said, well, what if you stay here in our church? My dad was my pastor. I said, oh, I can just soak off of you and how you do ministry, and I can really learn, and one day I'll take over this church. I knew in my heart of hearts right then in my mind that that was the last place that I needed to be. And then my dad asked me, this question changed my life. What happens if you don't go to connection? I just told him that I wasn't going to go. He already assumes that I'm going. And he says, well, what happens if you don't go? I literally said this. You can ask my wife. She's teaching today. I became exceptionally emotional. The Holy Spirit had been talking to me all day and her. And I said these words and I have not changed my mind. I said, if I don't go to Connection and lead worship and help and be involved in their ministry, I'm going to miss probably the greatest revival and transformation of lives following Jesus Christ that I will ever see in my entire life. 
my opinion has not changed. God is doing things with some of you in here, me included. Some of you in here, we are not the same people that we were six months ago, let alone six years ago. And I can talk to you about your marriage and what it used to be and what it is now. Or maybe your relationship with your kids and what it is now. See, God says, you guys have been doing the small things and you've been doing them right. That doesn't mean we quit. It means our diving board's getting ready to go up. Man, a 9 and 11 a.m. service. That's different. We're not used to that. We're going to need a lot, a lot, a lot of giving and sacrificing of our people to work. We're going to need a lot of people to pull this off. We're going to need technically double the number of workers. Man. We've been faithful in the small things. God's moving us to a different diving board and we're going to be talking about what that means with responsibilities. Look at verse 11. He goes on and says, And if you were untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Jesus just digs that knife in just a little bit deeper. He says, if I can't trust you to do with what the world gives you, how in the world are you going to deal with what I give you? Mike Davis asked me one time, he says, can you, I sat across the table from him, and he said, can you lead worship? And I paused and I said, I don't know. So he just asked my wife. She sold me out. She said, absolutely he can. I go, Mary? They said, okay, good, I'll see you connection. I'm like, oh man, what just happened? God says, if I give you a gift, Jack just talked about earlier, about people that sing, about people that play instruments. I know you're out there. Don't play like you don't do anything. Maybe there's some of you out here that do a great job with preschoolers, infants, babies. Maybe it's kindergarten through fifth grade that's really your, that's really your jam. Maybe it's first impressions. Maybe it's cleaning the sidewalk. Maybe it's cleaning the toilet. Maybe it's putting chairs out for the people that are going to come. See, you, you, hear, you hear we're going to... Listen, God just said, if you... If, if and then. If you are faithful, then. Then. Guys, we've been faithful. We have to continue. Look at verse 12. And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things on your own? Verse 13 comes one of the most popular verses out of Luke. Here you go. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And he goes on to say, you cannot serve both God and money. I know a gentleman that has a net worth multiple, multiple, multiple millions. He's one of the most miserable people I know. He serves work. He's a follower of Jesus, but he's addicted to work. He's a workaholic. And he drives and he drives and he drives. He doesn't have a relationship with his kids that's worth very much out of his mouth. They don't come to him with anything. He's not a happy person. Listen, he has, he has more. He could not possibly spend all of that money. But it says, some of us read this and say, well, Money. Money is evil. No, the Bible does not ever say that money is evil. It says the love of money is the root to evil. That's what it says. It doesn't say that money is bad. 
Why? Because we use money to turn on lights. We use money to give away at gas stations to minister. We give money to do in, in, into our Vision for God program that's providing big things for our church. We're using, we're using money that you give because God has given it to you. And some of you are saying, hey, I made $10 this week. God wants me to give one. See, God says, if you're faithful in the small things. Now, in my life, I mowed a yard. I had to pay for the gas and a, and a little bit of maintenance on, on the mower because it wasn't mine. It was my dad's. And then, but off the top, if I got $20 to mow a yard, the first $2 came off and I had to give that to church. Now, what does that mean? It means whenever I was younger, taking $2 out of 20 is a whole lot different than taking 100 out of 1,000. Or, it's, or, or, or these, these bigger numbers. Taking, taking, these, taking these bigger numbers out of these bigger numbers, if it's just something that you've always done, and you said, God, I want to serve you with my money. I want to give you what's yours. And then God. He says you can't serve them both. So hearing this whole entire story are these Pharisee dudes. Listen, they're the guys in the day. They got the, they got the gold on their hats. They got the sweet robes. Yeah, they get dry cleaned every day. Okay, they, they, they're, everything is clean. Everything is good. And they walk around and just, just shingle the change in their pockets because they're rich. Look at what he says in verse 14. The Pharisees who dearly loved their money. <laughs> Jesus singles them out, but they are not the only ones in history to like their money. Pharisees heard this and they scoffed at him. You know what that means. If you have a teenager, it's... I don't even know how to spell those. But I've said them all and I've heard them all. Okay? But they scoffed at him and they said, you have no idea what he's talking about. Look at verse 15. If Jesus is not God, please, please look at this and tell me that He's not. Because He looked at them and He said this, You look... You like to appear righteous in public. <laughs> How sharp is this? Okay, we're in a public place. He says, you like to appear awesome in public. But God knows your heart. Internally, Jesus was looking at them and He was going, you're selfish, you're prideful, you only want what's yours, and you want to keep everything that you have, and you want to gain everything and give nothing. Instantly in that statement, everything was like that was proclaimed. And He says this, what this world honors this says he said to them you, you, you like to appear righteous in public but God knows your heart what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God is everything in the world detestable by God no but when it becomes a self-righteousness and pride it does okay look at your worship paint out on the next on the, we have some we have some stuff to look at God gives us these. And I want you to look at these. I even put the Scripture to the side. You can go back and you can check it out and you can look. Look at the first one. These are kind of God's rules. And we get this from the story. In verse, in verse 2 of chapter 16, it says, Don't waste your money. Don't waste it. Wasting your money is not occasionally giving your child a quarter and letting them get one of those trinkets out of the machine at Walmart or wherever. That's not wasting your money. Look 
In verse 16 too, the manager wasted the money. He, he wasted money that was not his and it cost him his job. Look at number two. This is a sharp one. This is very, very sharp. I put myself in the category that this is in two because watch this. It says don't love it or live for it. There was a time in my life if anything that came out was new, was better than the old, or whatever, I absolutely obsessed on having it. Like crazy person. I have to have that new bow. Did you see what they've done with this new gun? I have got to have one. Let me tell you something. Out of this story... In verse 13, in this story, Jesus says that no one can serve two masters. Listen, if you have that obsession like I used to, I can tell you from experience it is completely unhealthy. I have to have a new truck. I have to have a new boat. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with new trucks, new bows, new guns, new boats, new fire equipment, new flower beds, new houses, nothing. That is all okay if we're responsible Look at number three. If you remember anything that I say today, I want you to just circle number three on your worship handout right now. Look at this. Don't trust it for security. I'm going to tell you something. Okay, in verse three, we see that the guy loses his job. Okay, he's going to be fired. And he says, I can't dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. So don't trust it for security. Here you go. You ready? Do not ever place your security in anything that can be taken away from you. It is not wise. Your money can go away. Just have one large accident. My buddy that fell out of the tree stand a couple weeks ago and got he had to be life lighted. Okay? Air evac from the field where he was to the hospital in Evansville. I talked to his mom and dad last night at a wedding. You know how much that bill was? Thirty-one thousand dollars. Do not put your security in something that can go away. Okay? Do not put your trust in a security that can go away. It is not intelligent. What cannot be taken, taken away from you? John 10.28 says that you cannot be taken away from God. In Him, there is strength and He is keeping you for eternity. No, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. God cannot be taken away from you. And as much as we try, sometimes we can't get away from him. Look at number four. Don't expect it to satisfy. You know how much a really, really, really rich person wants? Just a little bit more. Think about it. Think about how. Think, can, am I happy with what I have? Am I content with what I have? I'm not saying that you need to go home and purge your whole house and just give everything away. Okay, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, are we content with what God has provided for us? Do we give? Do we give? Dave Ramsey, speaking of finances, Dave Ramsey is exceptionally intelligent. We use his books to mentor people financially in this church. He's, he's, through his practices, there's a lot of people that have got out of debt in this church. They're living very responsibly, very godly with their money. With, uh, I can tell you, I was, I was faithful with a real little... Okay? But I now understand what it's like to not pay on a student loan. Wow! Dave Ramsey is considered one of the best financial thinkers in America. Watch this, you ready? He was a millionaire before he wrote a book. He lost it all. He lost it 
it all. And then he said this. He said, my money is controlling me. If I control my money, then I control how and where it goes. And it's another ballgame. Look at, look at Proverbs 23.5 on the screen. Look at this. Your money flies away. Some of you are going to understand exactly. If you have bills and you are a parent, look at this verse. Your money flies away before you know it, just like an eagle suddenly taking off. I find it very, very odd that on the back of our $1 bill there is a what? An eagle. <laughs> just remember how fast that's going to fly away. Your money flies away before you know it. Hmm. Jesus was not praising the man's dishonesty in the story. He was praising his shrewdness. God in this story is telling us this. You need to be faithful in the little things so you can be faithful where I'm going to take you with the big things. If I know that you're going to do this, you can do this. Think about this. If you've ever shown your parents that they could trust you and you came home every night at 10 o'clock for their curfew, you can stay out till 10.30. You can stay out till 11. See, the bigger the responsibility. Some of us may or may not have came home on time. And we never saw that number go up. Okay? You can keep those stories. We don't need to share them today. Okay? So, God says, if you're faithful with the little stuff, how about this? If you want to be good at something, if you want to be good at anything, you find somebody that's more successful than you are, right? Many of us learn how to cook. If you're, if you're a baker or a cook, you probably learn from somebody in your family that's older than you. Or somebody that took you in as their family. You learn from somebody that had been there. Done that. If you go to Continental Tire and get a job, they're going to train you in the job that you're going to do by somebody that knows more about it than you do. In the teaching world, we have a mentor teacher. It's often somebody that's 15 or 20 years into the job and they're very comfortable. And I said, hey... This is how we handle parent-teacher conferences. I've tried it this way. It doesn't work. Listen, I know that none of you are the crazy people that come in for parent-teacher conferences, but they do exist. Okay? And we get to train our young teachers. Hey, listen. This is how we handle this. If you want a better golf swing, you probably talk to someone that knows more about golf. If you want to be more crafty, you either go to that crafty friend or you spend hours on Pinterest. <laughs> Guys are not exempt from Pinterest, by the way. I know for, I have friends. We don't publicly announce that we're on Pinterest. But they're on Pinterest. If you want a better marriage, we, we were given, we were given a, a little mason jar yesterday to put in words of advice for the new couple. And I wrote this. And I, I told this to them during their wedding counseling. I said this. I said, have fun for three months. Just being married, okay? It's great. It's fun. Learn how to communicate. Then I said this. Within the first six months, I want you to find a couple that's been married for five years, between five and seven years, that have a good marriage. I want you to take them out for dinner. This is very, very cheap advice. You take them out for dinner and have them and pick their brain about their first five years of marriage. Find out what worked. Find out what didn't. Then I said this. About three months later, I want you to go find somebody that's been married between 15 and 20 years. Their opinions are going to be a little bit different than the people that have been married for just five. They're also going to be 15 years seasoned in marriage. And they're going to be, and I said, you buy them dinner and you pick their brain. And I said, after about six months of practicing those things, then I want you to go find somebody that's been married for over 40 with a godly, healthy marriage. And I want you to take them out for dinner, maybe even two. And I want you to pick their brain about what works in marriage. 
I want you to pick out what they, how they communicate, how they do the things, and I want you to put it in. And out of that counseling, I was able to say this. If you are faithful with the little things in your life, God will give you more. If you want a better marriage, you have to go find it. If you want better finances, you've got to go do it. Look at the five things that God says about money. We don't like, we don't like to hear this, okay? And you, you're looking, maybe you have your little... My uncle calls it his little rat hole, okay? He has a little, he has a little, a little, little, little account that's off to the side. It's not budget money, it's not anything, it's his, it's his like hunting money. And he goes to Canada and he goes all this stuff and he, he goes, I just have my little, my, little, my little rat hole. And some of us have that. And some of us are really prideful with what we have. Look at this. Number one, it all belongs to God. I don't care what we're talking about. Your vehicle can be used to give people rides. You can let people borrow it. I had, some, I had someone call me and they said, hey, we're looking for a truck to haul some dirt, but we know how clean you keep your truck. Would you haul dirt for us? And I said, well, as long as you pay for the car wash. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I hauled some dirt for them. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry. Your truck. I'm like, it's dirt. I have a truck. It's dirt. We go together. But it belongs to God. I, I, Mary and I pray all the time, God, how can we use our house? How can we use our talents? What about our gifts? What about our money? How, how can we do this? What else can we do? What else? Because I learned this. When you're ready for this, write this down. You can't outgive God. You can't. You can't. If you sit, sat down and wrote the, all the blessings in your life, you can't outgive Him. You can't outgive Him. I was away from, from the house yesterday and Mary got both of the girls' school pictures. And she posted it on Facebook. And I'm like, holy cow, I cannot believe my girls are that old. And then I looked at it and I'm, I'm their dad. I'm like, those are the two be- most beautiful girls I've ever seen. Besides my wife. How did I get so lucky? How did God, why did God see fit to bless a person like me with them? See, it all belongs to God. When we change our mind from it's all about me, you've heard, you've heard the parodies of those songs. When the guy's sitting at the piano, it was a video that we used in the history of Connection. When the guy sits at the real song is it's all about you, but this guy is talking, it's, it's a video talking about our pride, and he's sitting down at the piano and he goes, it's all about me. No, it's not. But in our daily life, sometimes we sing that song on a megaphone. It is all about me. I deserve it. Number two. God is using money to test me. I told you this. He wants to see if you be faithful in the small things and then He can give you the bigger things. Rick Warren is the pastor of the biggest Southern Baptist church in North America. He has over 30,000 members. Three zero comma zero zero zero. Hashtag more than double Mount Vernon. Okay? This is huge. Do you know what Saddleback pays him? Not a penny. He does not, he does not get paid. He worked for a, for a little while and he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. It is Guinness Book of World Records, the most translated book in the history of the world into different languages. It is the second bestseller only to the Bible. So we have the Bible and then a book written about the Bible. That should show us something. Okay? 
But when he gets, he, he started getting that increase in pay from the purpose-driven life being so successful, he wrote a check to Saddleback. Now watch this. He wrote a check to Saddleback from past checks. Every single penny they'd given him, he wrote a check back to him. Gave it away. Because Rick Warren lives on 9% and gives away 91%. And I know what you're thinking. Well, his 9% is not my 9%. I get it. Okay? You didn't write the purpose-driven life. Okay? I get it. But he goes on to tell a story. He says, in my early days, I didn't have much, but I told God that anything that I have is His and to use it. And he's just an example. He's not God. He's a sinner that's saved by grace. But he said, when God tested me with money, I gave. Billy Graham himself has said has been interviewed and asked, why do you think that God chose you to do what you did? Billy Graham said one of the most astounding, profound things I've ever heard. He said, I'm not sure that I was the first one that God asked, but I was the first one that said yes. That's wow. God, what I have, you can use. Look at number three. Money is a tool used for God's purpose. It is. It's fun. If you don't think so, come October 25th. Don't bring anything. And you tell me how those wings are. You tell me how dinner is when we get connected to people bringing in all this food. You tell me, how, tell me how the fellowship is with people giving of their time to stay for lunch. Giving of their money. Giving of their sacrificing of their time to make this stuff. See, God is a, money is a tool used for God's purposes. Mary and I take this. And you don't have to know this. I'm just sharing with you things that we do. There's often times that Mary and I see a need. And if we, listen, we are not unintelligent about this. If it is a, an amount that we cannot touch, we do not overexpend ourselves, okay? But we've paid for people's meals. We've paid for people's groceries. We've done these things. And the only reason I tell you that is this. You have no idea how God will bless you. If you're, if you're interested in doing that, you can give a quarter to somebody that only has a dollar, that needs a dollar twenty-five drink. The quarter's worth more than a quarter here. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't require a whole lot of money. It requires you to be faithful with what God has given you. And I'm telling you, when you walk away, if you ask anybody that's given away a, a touch someone's life gift bag, okay? if you ask anybody that's done that, you ask them what it felt like when they turned around and walked away. They're like, holy cow. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I was able to bless that person. Look at number four. The best use is to use it to get people into heaven. Oh, we're going to bribe them. No, it is not what it means. We're not bribing people into heaven. But you know as well as I do, has anybody ever heard of uh, Ken Freeman? The guy that shaves the cross on the back of his head? He used to, he used to come to Logan Street and, and preach in Mount, when he was in Mount Vernon. But here's the deal. The best use of it is to get people into heaven. You know why Ken Freeman came to church? He was invited to a pizza party because his friend told him there was going to be pizza and girls. He was a teenager. It worked. Listen, you, we do things. We provide an atmosphere in Kids Rock. We pay for... Uh, the preschool material. We pay for this stuff out of our church money. We pay for cleaning supplies so you guys can go to the bathroom and use the bathroom on a clean toilet. That's awesome. You've been to the fair porta potties, right? This is a little different. 
Okay? They're people that maintain our property out of their own money. Because they said this, when that first time a tender comes into connection, I want them to know that we were ready for them to come. We were ready. We want God to use everything that we have. And look at number five. One day, I'll give an account to God. How you'd used it. How you use it. We can go through this, through this right here. We can go to the story, if you're familiar with the, with the talents. How you used what God gave you. Some of us like to hold on to it and we give them the same back in return. Others want to use it and it's multiplied. One day we'll give an account. Look at the Scripture with me. Matthew 25, 59. Watch this. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. Do not take this verse out of context and say, I'm going to give... So-and-so, $10,000 that I don't have because I'm going to get 100 back. No, this is not. This is not what it says. But it says if you take care of what God has given you and you're faithful in giving, money, time, sacrificing, doing whatever God has asked you to do, then you will have an abundance. You will have these, you'll have these, these opportunities to give. You know somebody comes early to simply... Open a door. Hey, come on in. Some of you experienced that today. You didn't have to touch the door. It just opened. And we don't have anything automatic on that door. But some of you, doors open. Come on in. You were greeted before. You were greeted out here. You got a cup of coffee that somebody got here early to make. It's giving these things. As a church, we must be faithful and continue to be faithful with the small things and watch what God does. Some of you are not the same people that you were three, four, five, six months ago. Three, four, five years ago. Some of you have experienced God in your life like you've never experienced Him before. How can I be faithful with what God gives me? Look at the worship handout right here. The last, last little line in it. It says, faithfulness in little ways produces fruitfulness in great ways. If you're keeping, if you're keeping notes in your, in your transform book, man, write that down in those white pages. Listen, faithfulness in little ways produces fruitfulness in excuse me, great ways. We are not to give out of arrogance. We are to give out of willingness. Now watch this. I mentioned earlier the change in the schedule at the beginning of the year. And I want to say something to our connection people. If you're visiting... You can hear this, but it's not meant to be towards you. Okay, If you've chosen the connection to be your church home, I want, to li- I want you to listen to this. When we give up and we sacrifice more in this 9-11 service, it means this. We are not giving all the same. We're all sacrificing the same. We're all giving of our talent, giving of what we need, giving of what we have. In order to show God, hey, we're ready. We're ready for people. We're ready to see you move. We're ready to see lives transformed. I can't wait. I can't wait. What God is going to do. Jesus comforted those that were afflicted. He sought out. That's why Francis of Assisi sought out the poor. Jesus sought out the afflicted. Are you ready? But He afflicted the comfortable. In verbiage, he smoked the Pharisees with what he said. 
That was, that was an all-time burn by Jesus. You're not faithful in your money. Well, yes, we are. Then he turns around and says, you know what you look like in the closet at your house behind closed doors. Just like that. He's very, very concentrated. Very, very pointy. But he says this, if we are faithful in little ways, we will produce fruit in great ways. Pray with me. God, we thank You. We thank You for what You've given us. We thank You for what You let us use. We're thankful for for these multitudes of blessings that we cannot possibly all write down in a day or even a week. We're thankful, God, of what You're doing here. We're thankful for the people that You're sending, the lives that You're changing. God, may we understand about being faithful with little things to be challenged to do greater things. We love You, God. Thank You so much for all that You do. Amen. As you leave, find two people and tell them you're thankful for them.